other. Mainstream media. Government cover-ups. You want answers? Well, so does he. He's Alex Jones on the GCN Radio Network. And now, live from Austin, Texas, Alex Jones. We're going to be discussing, coming up in the next hour, the nature of the control grid, how we've been domesticated from the uh, natural true state of human beings uh, into this control grid, how it's been scientifically engineered, we're being farmed. There's so many great political researchers and minds out there, and I just discovered a fellow who's very well known, it, it seems, but I wasn't aware of. So um, a big body of work. He'll be uh, joining us, tell you about that special guest coming up at the start of the next segment. Last week, uh, I saw one of this uh, guy's YouTube videos, and it turns out he's very well known. Uh, we've got uh, an IT guy named Matt here in the office who's a huge fan. I'd heard him say a few months ago, you ought to get Stefan Molyneux on. Uh, because he agrees with a lot of your you know, same analogies and world views, but uh, is, is very articulate uh, and, and, and puts it in a very polished uh, but, but also simple way to understand. And I kind of listened to him but then wandered on off because we're always bouncing guest ideas around. And I saw this YouTube video. I even forget the name of it. What is it, Jaron? I sent it to you last week. The story of our enslavement. And it was like ten minutes long and uh, going from memory. And it really laid it out. You know, I've talked about the domestication, the prison planet, how they train us from birth, basically imperial slave conditioning to be submissive. While they trained their top minions to be brutal and hateful and, and, and animalistic, we're trained to be submissive. And people think, oh, well, that's civilization. That's not civilization. That is a hive corporate communal uh, collectivist uh, Borg. I mean, literally like something out of Star Trek. I'm not a Trekkie, but I've, you know, I've, I've seen some of the TV shows with the, uh, you know, with the Borg. You will be assimilated. And that's what this whole TSA thing's about. So he's a Canadian philosopher, blogger, essayist, author, and the host of uh, Freedom Main Radio. He's Stefan uh, Molyneux. He's the author of a whole bunch of different books. He's written uh, on uh, truth, the uh, tyranny of illusion. And he's out in Phoenix to talk at the 2010 Freedom Summit. And uh, we've got uh, links up on InfoWars.com to his website as well. So I'm excited to have him for most of this hour, or all of this hour, and most of the next hour. The last 15 minutes or so, I'm going to blitz through all the other news I haven't gotten to. The food safety bill, that's like the Patriot Act, the opposite of patriotism and freedom. Uh, big developments there, a lot of other economic news. Uh, but we're going to spend uh, about an hour and 15 minutes uh, with him uh, today. And obviously this won't be the last time uh, that Stefan Molyneux uh, visits us. Uh, great to have you on with us, sir. Thanks, Alex. It's, it's uh, great to be here. Really, instead of just playing your YouTube video, uh, I thought I'd just get you on to kind of give you the floor for the rest of this segment, and I've got my questions and comments, to run through your worldview and how you describe these globalist farmers uh, who are literally farming us as a commodity, as a human resource. I mean, they openly say this about us. Uh, Aldous Huxley wrote about it. I mean, you're not the first to notice this and won't be the last, but you articulately really uh, have a deep uh, you know, peering view beneath the surface. So, so give us your boiled down uh, synthesis of this. Sure, I'd, uh, I'd be happy to. I began to sort of notice this. Uh, I'd have a graduate degree in history from the University of Toronto. I began to sort of notice this, and one day, I was looking at uh, in my in my room. I was looking at a map of the world, and it really struck me that while I thought I was looking at countries that were defined by by cultures and religions and ways of thinking. I thought, you know, what I'm really looking at is farms, that the boundaries of farms, you know, like when you fly in an airplane and you look down, you see those checkerboard uh, fields uh, laid out beneath you, that that's really what the world is. Because what demarks one country from another is the borders of tax ownership. And I began to really sort of play with this idea, which then bore fruit in this uh, video, that we really should be viewed as human livestock. And it is the most advanced form of human livestock to live in a democracy because in the ancient world, slaves were directly owned, like you owned people and they weren't very productive because they were so depressed and alienated all the time. And then you went through the Roman model, which was slightly more removed, where you owned people, but you taxed them a little bit. And then you went through the feudal model, where you didn't own people directly, but they had to pay you off in order to work the land. 
But there was this amazing development in the 19th century, 18th and the 19th centuries, where the ruling classes realized that if they allowed us to choose our own jobs, then we would be as productive as could be imagined. This was really the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. And so the, in the same way that a, a farmer will plant his crops further apart in order to have them be more productive, and he won't crowd his animals too much together, we've been granted a certain amount of economic and political liberties, not because our rulers have those values in the abstract or as a principle, but because it gives us the illusion that we're free, which makes us more energetic in the pursuit of our careers and the generation of wealth. But the problem is that the more economic freedoms you get, the greater the productivity of the working classes, the greater the growth of the political parasite classes. It's sort of like if you, uh, it's sort of like putting a, a direct bloodline into a tumor. It just makes the tumor grow and grow. And so what's happening is the smaller the government that you start with, the larger the government that you end with. And I think that's the case with the American experiment, which is a noble but tragic experiment where they said, let's start with the smallest possible government that we can get. And I think they did a great job of creating a small government, delineating it with the Bill of Rights, the Constitution. But what happened, what has happened since, is the amount of economic freedom and productivity that was generated by that liberty has created a massive tax base that has swelled the political and parasite classes to the point where what started off as the smallest government in the world has now turned into the very largest government in history and the very largest government that anybody could conceive of. And that, I think, is the central tragedy of what has occurred. People who fight for freedoms don't know that they're laying down the groundwork or sowing the seeds for future tyranny. And until I think we understand the degree to which we are, we have an allegiance not to a political leader or even to an ideology, but to a tax farmer, once we understand that, we can begin to really work towards a free society. But I think until we see that, we're just kind of playing games uh, in our cages. Now, uh, you're welcome to continue breaking down your view of this paradigm. I've got quite a few questions and uh, avenues of discussion looking at, at, at uh, what you're talking about from different angles. Uh, but uh, please continue before I get to my questions. Well, let's, let's take it up to the present, right? Because this, uh, I do sort of true news segment where I try to break down uh, the, the news. If you look at what's going on right now, there's a budget deficit commission that's going on, and the results of it were all perfectly predictable. The, uh, the dependent classes, all right, how is it that they turn us against each other, right? Direct human ownership is very unprofitable because the moment you start pushing guns in people's faces, they go limp, like intellectually, and they're not creative, they, don't be on, they won't want to be entrepreneurs and so on. And so what you have to do to rule human beings is you have to set them against each other. And the best way to set human beings against each other if you're a human farmer, is to not own them directly, but to take from the productive classes and create a dependent class. And the dependent class is rich and poor. It's the military industrial complex. Uh, it's, uh, it's school teachers who are dependent upon the government for their summers off and their job security and their pensions. It's welfare, people on welfare and so on. They're all dependent upon the state. And so the moment that people like you and I begin to say, we're not free. The entire paradigm is not free. We, we do not have the liberties we think we do. We're only granted certain liberties, so we're more productive for others. The moment we begin to talk about a peaceful, non-violent, non-coercive solution to social problems, rather than herding people around and pointing guns at them and selling off the unborn to anyone that they can find in order to fund the bribery of the uh, voters in the present, the moment we start talking about that, the dependent classes start to attack us. Right. And you can see this uh, very clearly. Uh, this has happened to Ron Paul. It's happened to just about anybody who raises their voice in a cry of freedom in this land that we get attacked by the people who are dependent upon the state. And the real tragedy, I believe, is that the only people who really care about the poor, the only people who really care about education are people who are striking at the root of the violence of a statist system. Because as we can see right now, this budget deficit commission is completely predictable. What happens is the ruling classes take care of their own, and they only create a dependent class to maintain their hold over everyone and to make sure there's a group of people who are going to attack anyone who talks about freedom. So when they're talking about deficit reduction, deficit cutting, do they talk about repudiating the debts to foreign governments and international bankers? Of course not, because that's the class they're designed to protect. What happens is the dependent classes show, are shown to be completely expendable. So they're going to cut 
welfare, they're going to cut Medicare, they're going to cut Medicaid, they're going to cut Social Security to the point where people are going to go through extreme and extraordinary... And then they're going to use those uh, people that have been displaced as a political weapon saying, if you want to get the welfare checks and the Walmart goodies back again, you've got to politically go for even a bigger government to rob what's left of the middle class, which the ruling elite, from my view, has decided to basically clamp down on. No, no, that's right. And and what happens is uh, the the fruits of violence are always disastrous, uh, always disastrous. But what happens, of course, is that freedom gets blamed for it, right? So for some reason, people think that the recent uh, Great Recession and the housing bubble and the tech bubble and the savings and loans in the 80s, that all of that resulted from some sort of free market enterprise, as if the government didn't run the entire currency, as if the government didn't have, you know, millions of regulations and massive amounts of taxation and hurting people around at gunpoint all over the place and throwing millions of people in jail. That is not a free society. And so all of the disasters that accrue to violence the government has a handy scapegoat in the name of freedom. And that, of course, is the real tragedy. People are somehow blaming voluntary, peaceful human interactions for all of these massive disasters, as if you and I could run up a $13 trillion debt on our own. I mean, it's just astounding. But the, the dependent classes are going to get really badly treated in this next round. And uh, it is going to be used as an excuse to attempt to extend the power and control because the disease uh, is masquerading as its own cure. Well, I agree with you. Uh, Stefan uh, Molyneux is our guest. We're going to come back from break, and, and, and I'm going to go through some notes that I've written about uh, the basic thesis that he just put out that I completely agree with because you know, the globalists themselves have basically described it uh, in very similar terms. And, of course, Stefan's talking about how he just noticed this himself, and, and, and I've had that happen to me so, so many times. I will notice something and think about it and then later read globalist publications where they are saying exactly what I thought, but then from their farming perspective. Uh, so it's just incredible how obvious all of this is, and it's hidden in plain view. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Stefan Molyneux is our guest into the next hour. Uh, coming up in about 20, 30 minutes, we'll open the phones up. Got a lot of other key news coming up. But going through his analogy, which isn't really even an analogy, it's how the world works, of countries being farms, being plantations. Since we broke up from being just small bands, tribal bands, where people pretty much just elected uh, who their chief would be because they could hunt the best and lead the best, and then it moved into the witch doctors and a lot of con artistry and things that grew from there into the control grid that we see today. I want to throw these points out at Stefan. The issue is, if you go back to the Renaissance, there was a major resistance against tyranny. And the system saw that where people had actually uh, broken through and forced uh, freedom, uh, that it created prosperity. So they said, wait a minute, we're at war with the French, or we're at war with the English, or we're at war with the Dutch or the Spanish. If we allow more freedom in our country, more industry will come here. More people will immigrate here uh, who are uh, developing new sciences and, 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 and manufacturing things. So it was a competition. But now the decision has openly been made to establish world government openly to establish world government uh, you know, run by these robber baron elite families who don't want a free market so that no one can run state to state, nation to nation. So there's no competition between the farms, and so everything can basically be run like North Korea. And that decision has been made because the, the elites openly say the future doesn't need us. People aren't just cheap. They're valueless to the globalists now. They want to phase out and get rid of at least... 80% of us, they have the robotics, they have the life extension. Uh, they, they don't want to share the world in the future with us. They have pure disdain for us, especially the uh, hog-like uh, uh, domesticated class. So what do you think of those statements I just made? Well, I'm not uh, too up on the depopulation stuff, but I will. I certainly agree with you that there is a um, the, the, the ruling elite does not like competition to attract the best livestock. So an example of this, which we're all pretty aware of, is what's just happened in Ireland. I remember it was about 10 or 15 years ago, Ireland 
dropped its corporate tax rate to 13.5%, which was hugely lower than just about anywhere else. So, of course, everybody goes swarming all over there, and Microsoft and uh, other companies, uh, Intel, I think, set up headquarters there. And the Irish economy boomed, and everyone was like, oh, Ireland is going to be the next European tiger of economic productivity and so on. And I remember even saying at the time, it's like, well... That's just going to allow them to have a bigger government, which will, and so they'll probably be one of the first to go bankrupt. And that, of course, is exactly what's happened. They've now gone bankrupt. And the EU is putting in as a condition of the bailout of Ireland that they increase their corporate tax rate because they don't want to lower their own. They don't want uh, Ireland's to be low. So, yeah, there is a cross-pollination of control mechanisms, which is partly what the European currency, the euro, was all about. Now, everybody's dependent on uh, each other, and so they're beginning to dictate cross-border-wise, thus lowering the competition and, and destroying the last capacities for the treads of freedom in Europe. Continue. Continue. Uh, yeah, well, I think the same thing is going to happen to Spain, and Spain has an economy that is absolutely enormous relative to Ireland. Uh, it's close to happening in England. In England, of course, is slightly ahead of us in uh, messing up the dependent classes by cutting their funding. Uh, and uh, so when Spain goes down, there's going to be a great challenge because the euro is going to face a massive undertow. It's going to be devalued relative because everybody's going to see. If you want to know what what European what the European economic situation looks like, all you have to do is imagine a uh, an operating room or an ER, right? And, and it's got like 20 or 30 patients in it and they're all bleeding. But some of them are bleeding a little bit more than others. So what the doctors are doing is they're hoovering the blood out of the ones who are bleeding the least, and they're pumping it into the ones who are bleeding the most. Well, of course, the only end product of all of that is all the patients are going to die. And that, of course, is not remarked upon in the media. It's just something that can't be talked about. There's always but this you forgot rule, one right? part of the equation. We're going to come back in one minute and finish up with it. You forgot one part of that great analogy. Because there's, a, there's something else going on in the hospital uh, ER triage area where all this blood is running out on the floor. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Big Brother. Mainstream media. Government cover-ups. You want answers? Well, so does he. He's Alex Jones on the GCN Radio Network. And now, live from Austin, Texas, Alex Jones. We're talking about the nature of human society on this planet. I want to get into what Stefan, author, researcher, what his views are on where society's going on its current path versus his ideas to reverse that trend and uh, where he would take us you know, if uh, he was king. And obviously he's a, pretty much an anarchist, so he didn't want to be king. But you know, king for today, what would he do? Uh, Stefan Molyneux is our guest. This is a short segment, long segment coming up. If you want to talk to Stefan or bring up any of the news items we've discussed today, the toll-free number is 800-259-9231, 800-259-9231. Open phones in this third and final hour today. Uh, Stefan, uh, for stations that just joined us, gave a great analogy uh, of what's happening in Greece, uh, what's happening uh, right now uh, over in uh, Ireland, and, and how it's now spreading out to Germany and England and the United States. You've got a bunch of people uh, in AER, and you've got Greece and uh, other nations like Ireland that are bleeding to death, and they don't fix the wounds. The system stays the same. But they take blood from the other countries that aren't bleeding as bad yet, and they're pumping it in uh, to the countries that are bleeding out. But they're not fixing the wounds, so it's just pouring out. Now, the system knows that. Why, then, are they not even closing the wounds, changing the system? Because parasitic, parasitic vampires, I mean, uh, Stefan called them parasites earlier. That's what a mosquito is. It's a, it's a you know, uh, blood-sucking insect. These globalists are there in the hospital bloated, fat, goblin-like creatures, literally sucking all the blood running down the channel rails into their mouths. So that's what's happening. Uh, what's your view on that, Stefan? Well, I think that's right. Uh, an analogy that I thought of that I think makes the most sense is, uh, you know, if you've ever seen the Indiana Jones films, in the very first one, he's in the treasure room. And there's all these gold and, and uh, jewels and all of the riches of the ancient world. 
and he grabs what he needs and then he sees a huge door begin to slide down slowly and he he grabs what he wants and he runs out and he rolls out and he just reaches back to grab his hat before the door comes down well it's been clear really since the 1960s and certainly since the 1970s since stagflation and going off the gold standard or the remains of the gold standard that the system is not going to last and the system is so close to the end now that expecting rational, long-term, coherent behavior from the ruling class at the moment is, is not really, uh, it's not really very rational. And so what's happening is because the system is, is shutting down, the system is reaching its end game, people are just trying to grab as much as humanly possible before, you know, like Indiana Jones, just grab as much as you can. That's a great point. We see down. this in every society. As the ship burns, people are just grabbing goods and jumping off. There's an acceleration. Uh, it's kind of like exterminators talk about when you spray cockroaches with poison, they start mating, you know, trying to reproduce. It, 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 there's like a wild party that goes on. Yeah, like if the Brinks truck explodes in the poor neighborhood blowing $100 bills up into the sky, you don't expect people to just sit around and wonder about their retirement. They just run out like crazy, like a shock feeding frenzy and grab whatever they can. And every policy that I've seen introduced over the past few years is just a massive cash grab that involves huge transfers of wealth from the private to the public sector. Uh, some of it going to the dependent classes to continue to buy their allegiances, but most of it flowing upwards to the few farmers and the rulers. And if you really an analyze what is going on, it is all about private public sector transfers or peaceful, violent uh, sector transfers. And because the uh, public sector is so dwarfing and engulfing and destroying, right, government's always a cancer. Cancers generally grow to destroy the host, and that's the same thing with governments. You can very clearly see that it is overwhelming the body politic, that the number of public sector jobs that have been created over the past 10 years versus what have been created in the private sector, it's vastly greater in the public sector. The unfunded liabilities of the public sector pensions are staggering. I mean, the It's impossible to pay back. Stay there. Let's, let's go through where you see this system going on the other side, and then ideas you've got to turn it around. We'll be right back with our guest. Stay with us, InfoWars.com, PrisonPlanet.tv. He's the T-Rex of political talk. Alex Jones on the GCN Radio Network. Stefan Malhalanu is our guest. He's joining us from a hotel room in Phoenix, Arizona. He's going to be talking at the uh, 2010 Freedom Summit there. We're going to have him back on in the next few weeks via video link when he's back home uh, in Canada. And uh, he joins us now. Uh, if you just tuned in, listeners, we've been talking about the fact that we live on a plantation, that we're seen as human resources. And I went over the fact earlier that the globalists have decided they don't need us anymore. They have said they want to dramatically call the numbers of people. They don't want nations competing with each other anymore, you know, sub-ruling classes. They are forming one giant global corporate hive Borg controlling oligarchy that is eugenics-based, that wants to cut off our resources through a neo-feudalistic uh, system. And the U.N. and their memorandums in the 1996 Biological Diversity Assessment, they call it modern feudalism. They say feudalism is better for the environment. So they are clearly trying to reinstate an even older form and more abusive form of tyranny. Uh, and, you know, the cycle of history shows that when you do have liberty, it produces incredible wealth, but then it grows a big, corrupt government. Uh, so talking to Stefan, Stefan, uh, again, we were getting into these impossible-to-pay-back debts from the domesticated population. Most of the money's been siphoned off to the ruling class. The banks are all making super record profits, consolidating power. But the howling uh, welfare class uh, is now being forged into an army against the middle class. From your research, why does the ruling elite hate the middle class so much? Uh, because clearly they do. It's their ancestral enemy. Right, right. I think that's a great question. Uh, it's, it's hard to say for sure because they don't exactly publish this stuff too openly. My guess would be that the parasite always hates the host because the host reminds the parasite that he's a parasite. So the fact that the ruling classes who are driven by 
you know, egomania, grandiosity, narcissism, and a kind of madness. I mean, these people are going to be classified as insane in the future in the same way that we look at the Nazi eugenicists as insane, though they seemed perfectly reasonable at the time to most people. And so the fact that there are free and productive and happy and voluntary people in the world reminds the ruling classes of what desperate sociopathic parasites they really are. And it just reminds them of that. And so I think that's one of the reasons that they hate them, because it, it pricks their vanity in the fact that they think that they rule the world, but they're actually dependent upon Joe Sixpack, who goes to work and produces something of value for a living rather than just moving Well, I totally agree with you, assessing their psychology, reading their own writings, and I believe it's a delusion that they dream of not having a surround and having a high-tech robotic society that serves a tiny, you know, superior ruling class that so many of these people have written about that 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 that's really their own self-hate the fact that they hate the general population so much the fact that they try to dumb the population down and that's on record shows their disdain for the host yeah and i think that they understand that deep down they're never going to achieve the kind of happiness and peace of mind and contentment and love and good relationships that free people have they just you know the masters secretly hate the slaves dancing and singing and having a good time down at the end of the plantation because they're sort of stuck in their lonely house and they like the the, the masters need the slaves but the slaves don't need the masters fundamentally and so i think there is a lot of uh, hatred and recognition that it is not a life well lived to prey upon your fellow man and to brutalize and manipulate and sell off their future and uh, destroy the brains of their children through miseducation that is not a life left well lived and i strongly believe in the endless power of the human conscience and that we all know deep down whether what we're doing is right or wrong and so deep down they know all of that but they don't want to deal with it and change their lives so they project all of that hatred onto other people all of that self-hatred gets funneled out onto other people and it's like a bird attacking a mirror uh, but thinking it's something else. It's a tragic, tragic state of mind. In a sense, we almost have to free the masters from themselves. I know that that sounds perhaps a bit overcompassionate, but they, in the long run, or at least their descendants, will be a lot happier if we pry these leeches off the neck of humanity. They can actually grow their own two legs and stand on their own two feet. Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, a painter produces paintings. A philosopher you know, produces philosophy. Uh, the globalist... You know, cobbler makes shoes. The globalist engineer societies so that they can continue uh, on with their uh, basic predatory parasitic power trip. But this is all coming to an end, and they've engineered it. They believe they're going to get total power out of it. Uh, but more and more of the indicators I see show that this is actually giving free humanity and those that do love true liberty a very good chance of routing these people. But as Ron Paul has said over and over again, as we come to this crisis point, uh, people that do love liberty have to be more active than ever uh, because historically we tend to slip into even greater degradation uh, after a system comes to an end. It's very rare that we go to new heights. So, a, briefly, where do you see an ending? What's your time frame? Uh, and uh, B, what are your ideas to, to not go over the edge of the cliff? Yeah, I mean, about five years ago, I said five to 15 years, and I still stick by that. Uh, we're definitely entering the last few years of the existing system, and it could even be shorter than that. The, the, the reason that it's going to go towards freedom and liberty is the exact same reason that you and I are having this conversation. You and I only know each other because of the internet, because we're not going to be guests on the mainstream media, <laughs> at least not this mainstream media. And so the internet is like the, it's like the printing press, right? The printing press uh, fragmented the unity of tyrannical Christendom uh, from the Dark Ages. It, it, it threw new light, new interpretations, new reasoning, new evidence, new philosophies into the world. It resurrected the ancient Greek philosophers and spread them across Europe, which gave people uh, a new new parts of thoughts and it, it resurrected Roman law which led to more secular cities which led to the growth of the Industrial Revolution the internet is exactly like the Gutenberg press uh, of the 14th and 15th centuries it is spreading thought outside of owned and regulated and state-dominated channels and so the information that is going out it is much simpler to believe in peace than it is to convince yourself that violence predation and war are somehow good for humanity 
We have the simplest message, the non-initiation of force, the respect for property rights. We have the simplest, most consistent and clear message. We've been right all along. Uh, Ayn Rand was right, uh, Aristotle and Socrates were right when they talked about the immorality and destructiveness of an immoral life. And so the fact that we have a clear message, a consistent message, a message that people can finally hear outside of state-sanctioned channels is irresistible and is going to turn the tide as long as we keep talking, as long as we keep communicating. So the system is going to come to an end, but there is a level of communication we can now tap messages through the prison walls to each other. And we are not There's going to be a big death rose. That's why they're moving worldwide to censor the web, why they're trying to demonize peaceful resistance, why the system is really trying to stage more terror attacks and stage more crises. Uh, but yes, liberty will win. Uh, the only question is, will it come sooner or later? How painful is this going to be? I think it's going to be less painful than we think. Uh, I like what you have said many times in your show, Alex, about get to know your neighbors, get to know the people around you, develop horizontal relationships, because we so often get focused on our vertical relationships, right? Looking up at the people who are dominating us, looking down at the parasitical class that is feeding from us. The way to substitute hierarchical authority is with horizontal relationships. Uh, and the more that you get a hierarchical society, the more those horizontal relationships tend to be undermined and destroyed. And we don't look out for each other as much anymore. Developing these horizontal relationships, if you have a firm community, if you have a good circle of people around you, you do not need to fear illness. You do not need to fear poverty. You do not need to fear isolation. So you don't need to run to a government. It is developing slave-on-slave -slave love, <laughs> which sounds like a great movie, but it's developing slave-on-slave -slave love that will free us from the tyranny. Of well, exactly, but going to Walmart and buying useless crud is not fulfilling. Going with your neighbor on a on a camping trip or bass fishing or to the coast uh, is, is is fulfilling. I mean, society is so unfulfilled. All the social studies and 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 and, and psychological studies show. And then people think, well, I need more crud. I need more garbage. I need, or, or some people I know who've never had big success, never met Hollywood stars, never met government people, never met scientists. You know, they imagine that they're unfulfilled because there's some floating island Valhalla that they haven't attained. As somebody who does know a lot of famous people and stuff, I can tell you, that is not going to fulfill you, folks. Having your own property, loving your neighbors, being involved, being able to control your own destiny, being being given the responsibility to control your own destiny, that is going to make you fulfilled and strong to a point, I'm so fulfilled, I'm so happy, I've got so many ideas, it's I'm so fulfilled, it's almost torture, Stefan, because I can't implement all the ideas burning in my mind. Well, but I think that people can sense happiness, and I think that we want to be gateways through which people can see the freedom, peace, and happiness of the future. We kind of have to demonstrate how a free society looks like in our own personhood, in our own interactions, and then people, I think, will get that desire for it, because a lot of people aren't open to reason, but they are open to an example, and I think people learn empirically that way, and I think that's how we communicate. I agree. That's why the COINTELPRO and government operatives try to tear down anybody who's positive and talks about how we can win together. They want all this infighting and dissension and negativity, when really, uh, we have incredible power when we use it, and the parasites know that. Yes, and we, of course, outnumber them vastly, and we really, all we have to fundamentally do is say no to free them from this 10,000-year-old ridiculous pyramid that we should have outgrown when we threw out leeches for dealing with illness. Well, you're absolutely right, and I, I think back to the vampire analogy. Vampires have to have helpers. Count Dracula has Renfield. And, and that's what the welfare class is. They are this quasi-undead, uh, self-propelled stomachs eating at McDonald's, and I'm not saying I'm perfect either, folks. The point is, I can recognize it. I can recognize what's wrong in me and what's good in me. And we've got to reach out to the Renfields and 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 and, and try to somehow, you know, uh, get them to realize the the trance they're in. Stefan, stay there. I want to come back, take some phone calls with you, and obviously we're going to have you back in the near future as well. And we'll get out your website. Free Domain Radio is Stefan Molyneux's website. And this is the end of this current age of tyranny. The globalists believe it's the birth of an even more intense technocratic technocracy, in the words of Zbigniew Brzezinski, Newt Gingrich, 
David Rockefeller and many others. So uh, we better hope that everybody out there gets involved in this fight. It doesn't mean we're all going to totally agree with each other, but we know government's too big. The elites are out of control. We're having too much sucked off of us. It's time to stand up and say no. There's been a huge development on the Google censorship front, but I'm not going to get to it till our guest leaves us at about 45 after. Huge development. But I'm just going to say this. Google has backed down. I've never seen anything like this before. Uh, but, again, it shows the power that you have out there. But I'll go over it coming up. Uh, just amazing information. Uh, now, we got a bunch of callers uh, here for Stefan. And this only happens about once a year. But the phone system then shut down at Genesis. It's having a few problems. But five phone calls got through. But that will be it because the system shut down. Uh, we've got our own phone system here. This happens maybe once a year. Uh, but hopefully these calls will work. If not, we'll give them our number here. Uh, Kevin in Canada, you're on the air with our guest, and you're welcome to talk about anything you want. Go ahead. Hey, Alex. Thanks so much for accepting my call. I'm a first-time caller. Um, you've talked a lot about the economic state in the United States and what you see happening for for the United States. You and Gerald Salente and uh, many others have said um, you see a terror attack happening. You see the uh, banks shutting down and the American people being blamed for it. My question is, do you see a similar circumstance happening for Canada? For instance, do you see the banks shutting down? Do you see there being a terror attack? And if you do see this happening for Canada, do you see this happening this year or the next year? Okay, well, an attack on England, an attack on France, an attack on Japan, it's used globally to take everybody's liberties. Even the governments that aren't aligned with each other use 9-11 to crack down on their population. Stefan, you take that question. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a great question. There are several indicators in the Canadian economy that are even worse than the American economy. Our housing bubble is larger than the American housing bubble, bubble was when it burst. Uh, per capita debt is, is huge in Canada. One of the major differences between Canada and the United States, of course, is that Canada, relative to the U.S., has almost no military industrial complex. One of the huge challenges of dismantling and a, a sort of violent empire, a, an imperialistic empire, which America is to a large degree and Canada is almost not, is that you have all of these troops, you have all of this weaponry, you have all of these people who've been trained to take orders and to point their guns at people that some guy in a green hat tells them to. So dismantling that is huge. One of the reasons that England, I believe, developed such socialist leanings after the Second World War, I mean, what a crazy tragedy to spend your youth and your blood fighting national socialism and then to impose socialism at the end of the Second World War. Well, the problem is that you have an enormous number of people who are not very fit to work in the free market. They have been working for the government, either directly or indirectly. They have been re receiving... That's created a bunch of lazy, dumbed-down people who, who think it's a moral responsibility to be intellectually lazy. What do you call that phenomenon, Stefan, where people actually revel in being slobs, revel in not caring about life. They're only alive one time, and they think anybody that talks about how magic life is, is a joke. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, to me, that was most of my peers in graduate school, but I don't know what to call it technically. So Canada's not going to have to worry about dismantling the empire. The U.S. is going to have to worry about dismantling the empire and what to do with the hundreds of thousands of mentally scarred troops uh, who have substance abuse problems. These people got to go somewhere, and they're going to come home, and they're going to be a huge problem to manage. Absolutely. Canada... Let's, uh, let's go to another caller. Uh, uh, I, mean, I mean, I basically agree with uh, what uh, Stefan was saying there, Kevin. Good question. Catherine in New York, you're on the air. Hello? Hey, welcome. Oh, thank God you can hear me. Um, okay, um, I'm going to try, like, really hard to contain my excitement because I'm just so glad that you guys are talking about stuff that I've been saying, like, pretty much my whole entire life. Um, and I guess my my question or my dilemma, actually, because, you know, again, you guys were just saying it about um, – Stefan just mentioned about horizontal relationships. I mean, again, like, that's pretty much um, where I feel pretty trapped, I guess you could say, is because – um, like I didn't grow up in a family, like like my I mean like I literally felt, you know I've known this stuff my whole life and that my my own family.
family basically was like they kind of like, you know, really pinned against one another. And all I've tried to do was... Well, we've been know, trained by the social engineers, men against women, women against men, black against white, uh, Catholic against you know, Protestant, Muslim against Jew, Jew against Muslim. And, 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 again, and again, they use that to compartmentalize. Stay there, Catherine. We're going to come back and get uh, Stefan's take on what you were saying. Then I've got the big Google news uh, in our fight with those guys trying to censor us. We've got a victory on one front, not on the other front yet. Google search term, Google evil. We'll be right back. Stay with us. We're on the march. The Empire's on the run. Alex Jones and the GCN Radio Network. Take you live to the Central Texas Command Center and the heart of the resistance. Rallying patriots worldwide. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. Stefan Molyneux is our guest. Going to try to jam in a few more calls for him, but I've got to get to all this other news, so please have your question or comment ready. Catherine, crystallizing, boiling down what you're saying or what your question or statement is. I mean, just elaborate briefly on what you were trying to say. Uh, it's basically about the horizontal relationships. And, I, I mean, in, in a nutshell, there isn't anyone to have a horizontal relationship with because, like, I feel like, you know, everybody's been so brainwashed to keep everyone else in line. And every time I try to wake them up, they're, like, injecting me verbally with something to put me back to sleep. No, I know. Well, a lot of times if you're nice to somebody under you, They'll subconsciously think you're weak and then try to dominate you. Uh, and I, and I mean, I learned this growing up, not that I'm some perfect person. I mean, a, after somebody attacks me, then I become very vicious, very sneaky, very aggressive. But I, I was never envious of wealth and power and beauty. I always admired it. Uh, but so many of the quote underclass, they just hate anyone who has a penny more than them and they hate and disdain those under them that have a penny less and it's like their worth is some type of false template or hologram in their mind of kind of like baseball cards they've collected instead of just being in awe of the magic of consciousness and the human experience on this incredible planet hurtling through deep space but i hear what you're saying Catherine. it's very very frustrating humans are hierarchical at their base because we were meant to admire the strongest, the most loving, the most dynamic, those with the most charisma in our tribes, but we were in small enough groups that that empowered the whole group to emulate the strong and to honor the pure. If you go back to really ancient societies, then as they became bigger, the parasite con artist class comes in, whether it's the Aztecs, the Babylonians, the ancient Visigoths. It, it, every culture does the same thing. Stefan, what's your view on that? Yeah, I agree. If if you if people can't see you, you just have to get bigger. You have to get bigger and bigger until people can see you. I'm the kind of guy who uh, I want to take on the biggest Goliath because the greater the enemy, the greater the pride of victory, and we are going to win. But people can't see you over the shadow of Goliath, so you just have to you know put on your heels, uh, make a podcast, make a blog, write a book, call into shows until people can see you, and uh, then I think that that they will join you. And I think we should all be proud of taking on the greatest and oldest tyranny in the face of the world because there's going to be much honor when we win. And the fact that it looks sometimes hopeless, the fact that we look so small relative to the Goliath that we're fighting just makes our courage all the greater. And I hope that helps. Exactly. Here's a relationship example. And this has been well documented in psychological studies and just in common sense. Some of the easiest women, say you're 20 years old in college or working, some of the easiest women to pick up for a date are the most beautiful bombshells. And that's because most people are intimidated by them, A. But B, people are mean to good-looking people. People, I mean, I'm, I'm not super great-looking now because I'm like 30 pounds overweight and getting to be middle-aged. But when I was, you know, 15, 20, 25, I mean, I was super good-looking. And I always wondered why... And, 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 and as I got older, I understood it, why normally people that would see themselves as ugly hated me so much. It was because I was seen as archetypally good-looking. 
And uh, but but the same thing is for why do you see so many guys who aren't really super handsome with beautiful women? Well, they've got a good personality. They've got other things that are beautiful. Uh, and they also learn the secret that the better looking the woman, the easier they are to pick up for a date. I mean, I'm not uh, Stephanie. You see where I'm going with this? That 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 none of us we're not confident in ourselves. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think that we look at we, we're looking at history, not at the future. You know, we need to shoot. It's like a grappling hook. You know, you see in those spy movies, they shoot this grappling hook up to the top of the parapet, and then they pull themselves up. We don't need to look back at everything that's been lost. We don't need to look back at all the disasters that have occurred. We don't even look into the near future where this transition is going to occur. We need to shoot our hopes like a huge grappling hook and climb up to a future that may be a generation away, but we can still get there. If you focus on the immediate, you will lose heart because they have the aircraft carriers, they have the nuclear weapons, they have the prisons, they have the currency. But if you shoot your hopes over the present into the future, that gives you propulsion and that allows you to spread hope to others. Yeah, we've got to lead. We've got yeah. to lead. And, and the, the Pentagon admits now 90% of their operations are info war. There is a war on for your mind. They know that if they can't dominate your mind, they've lost. It doesn't matter what weapon systems they have. The state is an effect of a delusion called the inconsequence of the citizens. And as soon as we drop that loss of confidence, as soon as we drop that inconsequentiality, the state shrinks to nothing in our minds. Stefan, do you agree with me, and I foresaw this almost five weeks ago, that the TSA is bigger than just saying no to them dominating us and putting their hands down their pants. The social engineers know this is about the next level of tyranny being searched in our homes, our roads, the shopping malls, our, 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 our offices. And they know that our resistance to this uh, is a symbol of us getting our will back and our strength and, 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 and standing up to them. And that if we stand up to them on this and have victory, we'll stand up on everything and have victory. And that's why they're so scared. Everything that the state does, every expansion of state power is a trial balloon. And if we shoot it down, they withdraw and they go someplace else. And so, yeah, I, I think the containment, I think that recognizing that the TSA, it, it was inevitable that they were going to end up groping people and body scanning because that's what the government does. They take a reasonable idea like security and turn it into a tyranny every single time. So, yeah, every expansion of state power is a trial balloon to see what people will accept. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk to Sean in Ohio. You're on the air with our guest. Go ahead. Hey, what's up? Worldwide transmission. What's on your mind? Uh, just uh, the Google thing. Which part were you going to say they let down, the new search? Uh, I'm going to get to it after Stefan is gone. If you want me to put you on hold, I'll come back to you when I get to it. But I've got to spend some time on this to explain it, uh, or people will misunderstand it. Uh, if, if I don't, you know, communicate it, uh, maybe because I'm not a good communicator. But uh, the point is, is that I'm going to get to that in a few minutes. Uh, do you have any questions yeah, for our guest? Put me back on hold. Go ahead. All right, I'll do it. I'll put you on hold. Michael in Texas, you're on the air. Yes, good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey, I was, by the way, I've been trying to get in touch with you. I'm a writer and I want to volunteer. I don't want a job. Like weeks ago, you said you needed more writers for the. And, yeah, I don't want you to pay me. I want to volunteer. So get well. In touch we have with a lot of folks that, that that get their columns posted at infowars.com and prisonplanet.com. So send in some sample pieces to writers at infowars.com. Yeah, I don't even want my name on it. I just want to help. So I don't. Well, it'll be fine if you want your name on it, or if you send us good stuff, you can have a link at the bottom to your website. That we like to promote other liberty people. So anybody that wants us to post their columns, if it's online with uh, you know basically the liberty movement exposing the globalists. And, and, and if I read over it, it looks like it's well-researched and factual. We'll start carrying your work. But uh, anything for our guest? Yes. Uh, psychologically, I, I think that we're going to win, especially on the, uh, what I think is the most important issue, which is the Federal Reserve. The, the, the war chest that the globalists create for themselves with this Ponzi scheme that is our money system, is if we attack that, everything else will crumble. But the problem that I have, Alex and uh, Stefan, and, and see if you can address this, when the, that issue is won, I think there is going to be a financial collapse in this, in this country. And I think that inevitably the people who looked at us as the conspiracy theorists and the Ron Paul supporters, they're going to say, hey, wait a second, uh, you were the guy that pushed for the collapse of the, uh, the end of the Fed, and now look what happened. 
when, when, in essence, well, sir, I've been saying that for years. No, 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 no. They did that during the Great Depression. The bankers suck you dry. They they, vert, they vertically integrate the money. When it implodes, they allow opposition to come in and blame it on them. They're already blaming Rand Paul, who's never been in office, for the depression that's coming, saying he caused it because he wants to audit the Fed. Great points. Appreciate the call. Stefan, comments. Well, yeah, look, it's entirely right that the power to print your own money, the power to type whatever you want into your own bank account is not something that people are going to give up lightly. You can't have war and oppression without fiat currency fundamentally, or at least it's very, very, very limited in what can be achieved. So it is absolutely essential that currency be privatized and that there's competing currencies and that violence is not used. It, it is as simple, and to make the case against the Fed is as simple as making the universal moral statement that counterfeiting is immoral. And it doesn't matter whether you're a guy in a suit in a big office or you're a guy in a basement in his underwear, it is immoral to counterfeit money. And a government is as subject to virtue and vice and good and evil as anybody else. If you can make that moral case, it goes away. What people really saved, and it gives unfair uh, trade advantage to the insiders. Yeah, and it's a terrible tax on the poor. It's the, it's the most brutal tax on the poor. Inflation, anybody who's on a fixed income, anybody who's spending a large proportion of their uh, income on the essentials gets completely destroyed by, by uh, yeah, Absolutely. Well said. Well said. Rushing through calls here. We'll have you back soon. Look forward to it. Uh, let's go to Matt in the U.K. You're on with Stefan Molyneux. Go ahead. Hi, Alex, and uh, good afternoon, and good afternoon, Stefan. My first point is, from a British point of view, is when you mention about the fat slobs in the UK, by the way, get your facts right, and the first point of view is not everyone's a fat slob in the UK. Is basically what Alex mentioned about desk Well, not everybody's a like fat that. slob in the US, but I am. <laughs> no, no, I mean, oh. I'm not saying everybody's a fat slob in the UK. <laughs> you will, Alex, not at all. You're not at all. What I'm saying is, Alex was mentioning an intellect like myself, is... In the UK, um, there's people that are hard working like myself and, and, uh, and energy working and things like that and we, we keep the, the, the UK going. Uh, basically, my point is, is, is basically, I know that New World Order are going to cripple this country and the bankers get absolute trillions and millions of pounds, which they are doing now on the Berlin Island doubt is, um, look, we're, we're living in a territory, even in the UK, the US doesn't know this and we've got, um, Secret police in this country. Oh, you do. Uh, yes. I, want, I want Alex's take on that. Uh, what he thinks of that? Well, I mean, look. If you look at the UK, the US, Europe, Australia, it's the exact same system. It's a corporate form of governance. And I appreciate your call, Matt. I'm out of time with Bill, Rashid, Eric, and others. So I've got to get to the other news. But uh, that final question uh, from Matt in the UK. What's your view on that? Well, I, sorry, I do think that uh, the, U uh, the, the UK is going to go through the same kind of fiscal crunch as everyone else. I completely appreciate and agree with you. There have to be hardworking people in the UK who are producing goods and services that people want in the same way that you have to have livestock on a farm, otherwise it's not a farm. So the fact that you have a ruling class means that you have productive and energetic and creative people. All we have to do is pry them off your necks and let you flourish and the world can become a much better place. Absolutely. Well, uh, great work you're doing, and I uh, just really appreciate the great YouTube videos uh, that you're putting out. And I look forward to having you via video Skype with a better audio connection uh, coming up in the near future. I uh, hope to talk to you soon, Stefan. Thanks so much. Maybe next time uh, I'll just sit on your lap. We'll share a mic, and I'm sure that will be the way to do the next Hey, no, show. It, it was great. It's just your info's uh, key, and I look forward to, uh, to uh, having you back on soon. God bless and take care of yourself. Thanks, uh, everybody. Thank you, sir. There goes Stefan Molyneux. Uh, great having him uh, on the broadcast uh, with us today. Okay, and the next time we have him on, we'll play some of his YouTube videos here as well. Very, very uh, informative and thought-provoking information.